Welcome back to all of our listeners to Search the Scriptures. So good to be back with all of you again today. And what a blessing it is to be able to come together each day right here on Search the Scriptures and study a little bit more from God's Word. It's it's such a blessing for us to hear from so many of our listeners. Many of you let us know that you listen every day or just about every day. Others, you listen regularly, frequently, but you can't quite get in there every day because of your schedules or situations that develop and arise and so on. Others listen less frequently, but as you have the opportunity, you still tune in and catch us and get a little bit more of God's Word. Then there are always those new listeners, and if you're listening for the very first time, we're thankful for you, no more so than all of our regular listeners, but we're thankful for you in a special way, because this is your first time to listen to Search the Scriptures. And our prayer is that you'll quickly come to realize that the name of the program describes the program exactly. We do search the scriptures of God's word. We dig deep. We look beneath the surface. We try to get into the deeper, weightier matters of what those scriptures really teach us. And we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for our everyday lives. We want to help you get to heaven. We really do. We want to help you come closer to God. We keep saying that faith comes not in some magical, mystical, mysterious way, It doesn't just happen to somebody. It doesn't fall upon them whether they want it or not. But the scriptures tell us exactly where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So as you get deeper into God's word, study it more, more frequently, more regularly, and a little bit deeper, your faith in God will develop and grow. And as your faith in God develops and grows, it should lead you to become closer to him. And our prayer is that we can help you come not just close to God, but come all the way to God in the way that he has instructed he wants you to do through his word. And that is through Jesus Christ, his son, your Lord and Savior. As you come to believe in Christ as God's son and your Lord and Savior, then you're ready to repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ openly, and surrender to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross so many years ago, almost 2,000 years, is still 100% effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. You will be buried with him as you are plunged beneath those waters of baptism, baptized into him, as Romans 6 and verse 3 and Galatians 3 and verse 27 says. You'll be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus, has to happen in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And you will be made new, as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. You will have that do-over, that new start, the chance to begin again, that so many people would love to have, but they're looking for the opportunity in all the wrong places. You need to come to God through Christ. We want to help you do that. And in these studies together, each day on Search the Scriptures, we should help you to do exactly that. Now, at the end of the program, we'll give you the opportunity to write down some information that will tell you how to contact us. Be sure to have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. Jot down that information and then contact us. Ask for the free Bible study that we always offer and that we have sent all across the country 
to hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of individuals by this time, and it's free. It will teach you in a very basic way, right from God's word, how to come to him for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ, and then how to live before him faithfully and obediently as a Christian. It can change your life literally for the better and for eternity. Now, you can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, and again, for free, and again, we'll take care of the postage. So, jot down that information, have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready, and we'll tell you how to contact us at the end of the program today, as we always do. Now, we're going to conclude this particular study that we've been going through over the last several programs, talking about how we need to beware of drifting beware of drifting. Well, we talked about how dangerous it is for somebody who is trying to fly an airplane across an open body of water or across any extreme distance without making sure that their compass, that their heading, their bearing is exactly on. Otherwise, if they're off just by one degree, they could end up missing their destination by a tremendous distance, maybe a hundred miles or more. The same thing is true, of course, about a ship at sea. If the pilot on that ship does not make sure that the ship stays on course, exactly on course, then he can miss the destination by an incredible distance, never even see the destination that he's trying to get to. Well, that's the way it is. Now, we talked about how the technical definition of sin is missing a missing of the mark. And the technical definition of transgress is similar, to go aside, to go beyond. Again, missing the mark. And that's what sin is about. You're no longer on target. You're no longer walking with God. You're no longer walking faithfully before Jesus. You've missed the mark you've drifted away and drifted into sin. So we need to always be careful to not drift away from the spiritual course that God has set for us to follow. The Hebrews writer warns about this in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Notice what he says again. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, in other words, what we have been taught from God's word, lest we drift away. And it is so easy to drift away. That ship at sea, if he's not on, on course, he can drift away. If somebody is fishing in a boat, they do not put an anchor down, they may be catching fish, and then all of a sudden they realize the fish aren't biting anymore. They look around they realize they're no longer where they were, where the fish were biting, because they did not lay an anchor down, the boat did not stay stable, and the current of the water slowly drifted them away from that spot. Drifted them away, and they may not have even realized it as it was happening. Virtually imperceptible, but they were drifting. Husbands and wives need to be careful that they don't drift apart. So many have said, as they're reaching the point of agreeing at least one party, maybe both of them, a lot of times, that they just don't need to stay together any longer. They need to get a divorce and dissolve that marriage, ruin their family, 
because they have drifted away. They did not even realize it was happening most of the time until they finally came to the point where they recognized, you know, we're no longer close. We're no longer together. We no longer have hardly anything in common. We don't really love each other like we used to. We've just drifted apart. And that's their excuse. Why did, not they, why did they not realize that to begin with? If marriage partners would always check the compass of their marriage, then it's more likely, in fact, it's almost absolutely likely that their marriage will stay on course and they'll stay in love. And particularly, if they're soulmates, if they're united in their spiritual lives, first and foremost, that will help them stay united as husband and wife and they'll most likely, if they're soulmates, they'll most likely stay mates in every other way as well. Many Christians become careless. They stop paying attention to their spiritual lives like they need to, and they stop nurturing their faith, and then they gradually drift away from active involvement in the church, from faithfulness to God, from open and dedicated service to him, and spiritually, they just drift away. And then one day they realize, hopefully at least, they wake up and say, you know, I, I'm not the spiritual person I used to be. I'm not really with God the way I used to be. I've drifted away from him. Well, they need to wake up. They need to get back on course. Many don't realize that as they become less and less dedicated to being with the church as they come to worship God and study his word on a regular basis every week that they they drift away because their faith becomes weaker and weaker. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25 warns against this. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 and 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 encourage us to keep praying to God daily and regularly throughout the day. That's how we talk to God. And that's a tremendous way that we have that close relationship with him, communion with him. And But people, they stop praying like they used to because they're drifting away from God. Many people, maybe I should say most people, don't read the Bible much, if at all. And they find themselves becoming less and less acquainted with God's will for their lives because they're not studying God's will for their lives. They're drifting away. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says that we need to be diligent to present ourselves approved before God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to know God's word. He has given us his word to guide us into salvation first, but then also to guide us as to be faithful, dedicated, and productive Christians. 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17. But many people drift farther and farther away from God because they're not in his word, they're not praying to him, they're not paying that much attention to serving him, to worshiping him with the church, and they drift away from him. Many people drift more and more into sinfulness because they're not paying attention to the direction that their lives are taking until they suddenly find themselves absolutely engulfed in sin. And the wages of sin is still death. 
But God offers us the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans 6 and verse 23, but we've got to walk the walk. Not just talk the talk, not just feel the feel, but we've got to walk the walk. We've got to walk with God in faithful dedication. Now, let me tell you, many churches have already drifted into the troubled waters of doctrinal impurity. They're no longer teaching the Bible the way they should. They may use a verse or two or three, and then they're going to tell a lot of good stories and make everybody feel good, but they're not really digging deep into the Word, and they're not really expounding upon what the Word teaches to guide us daily to be faithful to God. They just don't, just don't do it much. In fact, many churches, as we've already talked about, they have lost their faith in God's Word as being truly God's Word. They think they've gotten too smart, too sophisticated, too intellectual to believe the Genesis account of creation or to believe that God created man upon this earth and everything else that we see around us through his power alone, or that Jesus really did arise from the dead. I'm not talking about isolated churches. I'm talking about something that has become very, very common within those who call themselves believers in God and Christian churches. Many congregations, many churches have drifted away from being the diligent working churches that they should be. We talked about how Jesus warned that that better not be the case in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5 in his letter to the church at, Cor at, 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 at Ephesus. He warned them that if you do not change and come back and do the first works, that you could lose your identity as one of my churches. We need to anchor our souls so we don't drift. We need to have that spiritual anchor in our lives so we don't drift away from being faithful to God, from being dedicated to him. We need to know the truth of God's word. That truth is our anchor. Now somebody says, no, it's your faith. Well, again, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Jesus said we're going to be judged based upon our obedience to his words. John chapter 8 and verse 24 and John chapter 12 and verse 48. If we don't believe in what he has taught us about being the Savior, the Son of God, we're going to be judged on that basis. If we don't live by his teachings that he has had put down for us in, our, in his word, we're going to be judged by those very words, those very teachings. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, if you abide in or live in or live by my word, you are my disciples or followers indeed. In other words, if we're not living by his word, we're not really his followers, faithful followers. He goes on in the next verse, in verse 32, and says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, the Hebrews writer talks about that anchor that we need to have. In verse 19, he says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, 
and which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, where do we get that hope? That is the anchor of our soul from God's word. The teachings of Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's where we find that hope. That's where we learn about that hope. And again, we have to be careful to stay true to God's word. We talked about how we need to stay in the correct doctrine, sound doctrine, the sound words, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 3, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13, Titus chapter 2 and verse 7, and we could go on. We've got to be the church of the book, God's book. Otherwise, we're not his church. We're not living up to our identity of being his church. The truth of God's word is key to our salvation and to our eternal life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, notice what the Apostle Peter wrote along this line. He said, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Now, what is that truth? The word of God. He identifies that here shortly. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Through the word of God. Because all flesh is grass, he's talking about the human body, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. And just as grass withers and dies and flowers wither and die, we're going to die physically. Then he goes on in verse 25 and he says, but the word of God endures forever. So how is it that we're born again? By responding to the teachings of God's word in belief, faith, and obedience. Having been born again, through the word of God, 1 Peter 1 and verse 23, through the word of God. That's how God gave us his word to guide us into faith, Romans 10 and verse 17. In James chapter 1 and verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth, and that language is indicating a birthing process, bringing us to life. Of his own will, he brought us forth, by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. By the word of truth. Incredible, isn't it? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel of Christ, the teachings of and the teachings about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Son of God, the gospel of Christ. We must embrace that teaching. We must obey those teachings. We must obey the gospel. If we want to walk with God, if we want to come to him through Jesus Christ, our Savior, in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, Peter wrote, 
Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. He's talking about your eternal salvation there. For if you do these things, you will never fall, never stumble. God has given us his word to guide us to salvation. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15. And to guide us to live that faithful, dedicated, committed, serving, obedient life as a Christian. 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17. You see, God's word is the guidebook. God's word is the instruction manual. God's word is that body of knowledge that God has provided for us to lead us to the hope that is ours if we will come to him through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We can't play around with our souls, with our spiritual life, just drifting to and fro, here and there, whichever way the wind blows, and hope to end up in heaven for all of eternity. We can't drift around through life without much direction and still hope to be walking faithfully with God. We've got to set the compass. We've got to be careful that we're not drifting. We've got to make sure that we're on course, that we're steady and true in the way and in the direction that we're living our lives. Now, there is no way to stay on course except by following the compass of God's word. And as we do that, we can be sure of our course. We can be sure of our direction. And we can be sure of our ultimate eternal destination, heaven itself. Are you drifting, my friend? Now, be honest. Don't just in a knee-jerk fashion, say, no, I'm not drifting. Are you drifting? Are you where you should be spiritually? Are you where you want to be spiritually? Now, even more, are you where God wants you to be in your spiritual life? Beware of drifting. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Do that. Ask for the free Bible study. It will help you get on course, and stay on course. And we want to help you get to heaven. Don't drift. We hope to hear from you right away.